A big thank you to our sponsor this week and my very personal favorite realtor that I use to buy my own home, Brianna Hoffman. Go to her website, www.brianna-hoffman.com. She was so incredible. I cannot say enough good things about this realtor. She made sure we got what we wanted. She made the entire process easier. So if you have questions about buying and selling or questions about how much your home is worth, she is your girl. www.brianna-hoffman.com. Welcome to I See You, a podcast where we advocate that compassion and connection save lives. They also make life pretty cool. I'm your host, Julie Lee. I see you. Let's be friends. Welcome to the I See You podcast, everybody. This is episode 53, Putting Pornography on a Lower Shelf. This week's review comes from Will B97, five stars, entitled Awesome Podcast. Julie's podcast rocks. I love how she is so willing to ask the tough questions and tell people's stories instead of glossing over difficult situations. Compassion and connection really do save lives. Amen. Preach it, brother. Thank you, Will B97. For those of you that might be new to the podcast and haven't listened to all the episodes before this in order, I wanna give you a little background before we jump in today's interview. So when I released episode 26, which is entitled, Hi, I'm Jame, an addict in recovery. My friend Jame, he humbly tells us his story of coming back from drug addiction after going to jail, almost dying, and almost losing his family. I received so much feedback about people who related to this episode with addiction, whether it was they had a sibling that had an alcohol addiction or a spouse with a pornography addiction. And in part to that large response, I released a pornography addiction series a few weeks later in which I interview my own brother who is an addict in recovery and his spouse. So episodes 31, 32, and 33 are that pornography addiction series. Episode 31 is the spouse, her interview. Episode 32 is the addict in recovery, my brother Eric. Episode 33 is an interview with them together, Hope and Recovery. And I wanna point you in that direction if you haven't heard that perspective before because it's gonna look a little different from today's and both are valid, both are true. They're just different situations. And what I wanna echo and have you understand as you listen to those episodes and to this one about pornography addiction is that you are not alone in this, whoever you are. This is such an incredibly common plague. It's tearing apart families and it's tearing apart souls. Camille originally reached out to me and told me that she and Steve felt that they had another perspective to share on how they have worked through addiction in their marriage. Camille and Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Julie. Camille, how do we know each other? We went to high school together. My secret's out. I had to make all my old high school friends to sit on here. <laughs> how did you get connected with the podcast? You were tagged in a picture of friends from high school, and so I I looked and I saw that you had a podcast, I see you, and I was like, what the heck? That's creepy. And so then, <laughs> You're like Rob. <laughs> yeah. So then I looked into it, and of course I was hooked after the first episode. Because I was going through a hard time, it was very helpful to have a reliable source that I knew I could go to that would help me feel better. And that was this podcast. So I didn't want to listen to all the episodes and have them all listened to at any point in time because it kind of became 
my backup of if I'm having a crappy day, I can always listen to an episode of I See You and be uplifted and feel more courage and strength to keep going. I know it sounds super sappy, but it was I love it. I'm just soaking it up, right? I'm like, what else? No. Thank you. That's huge because the goal is for it to be a safe place. That's always helped. Will you guys tell us a little bit about yourself? I am from Mapleton, Utah. I grew up there, went to Springville High School, and I went to college, got my bachelor's degree in elementary education, taught for a couple years, got my master's degree. I like to play sports, and I like to make wedding cakes here and there. You're amazing. What did you get your master's degree in? In curriculum and instructional design. Oh, cool. What about you, Steve? I grew up in a small town in Utah. I have two older brothers, one younger sister. I have loved sports my whole life, whether it's watching or playing any kind of sport. That's kind of how Camilla and I met is through a mutual group that would play racquetball. She's the best girl racquetball player. I was going to say, did she did she so, cream you? Because I feel like Camille is hardcore with well, sports. She doesn't cream me, but she can beat me. So that's still saying something. <laughs> I served a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Chile. After my mission, I went to school to become a pharmacist and have been working as a pharmacist for a couple of years now. So if I ever yeah, need the drugs. Yeah. Just kidding. That's totally illegal and I wouldn't do that. Tell us about your journey with pornography as a couple. Probably was first exposed to pornography when I was about 15 years old. And it's something that I've dealt with off and on, you know, sometimes better, sometimes worse since then. I feel like a lot of times on things like this, whether, you know, podcasts, you'll get a testimonial of someone who has overcome it or is on their exit from dealing with with an addiction or, or bad habit. But it's something that I, I continue to struggle with. I've done many things throughout the years to try to overcome it. I've talked with uh, church leaders. I've shared with my with my parents. I've attended 12-step meetings at various times. I've received professional counseling to help with it. I've had filters and, and locks installed on television and, and computers as well. So there's, there's been, you know, a lot of things. Overcoming is, is an evolving thing and something that I'm I'm still working on and and dealing with. Good for you. So growing up, I just kind of had this goal that I don't want to marry someone who's ever dealt with pornography. So I was like, I don't want that at all in my life. I want to be the strong person who can avoid that and who can stick to her guns and not be driven by emotion and not just be so in love with this person and not understand the heaviness of pornography. So when I found that out, I was a little shocked, but I still felt like we needed to keep dating. Because mm-hmm. he was honest with you. You told her you had had yeah. a problem? Yes, I did. Good for you. Yeah. That's cool. Was uh, that scary for you? I'm kind of a private person in general, but when it comes to, especially in this situation, you know, I've never had any issues really divulging it when, when someone asks me. Yeah. That's very honest. So when you did tell me, that was definitely part of my consideration is that he was very honest and very open. So time went on. We ended up breaking up. It wasn't necessarily because of pornography, But it was a big part in my mind because I was kind of worried. I just kept thinking back, is this going to be the best thing? Because if we get married, that means forever. Again, I didn't really know what that meant. But in the time that we were broken up, I kind of read some stories and kind of learned more. And in a lot of the success stories, it was a lot of times the perspective of the wife and the honesty of the husband that helped them be successful. And it was the, the wife that wasn't super negative or wasn't blaming their husband because of this behavior, but they were more 
accepting and more loving. And I was thinking, I want to be that. And a lot of the time when we were dating, it was hard because I felt like I had this cognitive dissonance because I was like, I love this man so much, but yet I vowed to myself to never marry someone who Mm -hmm. had a current addiction to pornography. Again, while we were broken up, that was a really good time for me to just really understand it isn't about me. That kind of was a really strong foundation. I still struggle with it sometimes, and I still wonder. I still, like, go to that place of I'm not good enough, which is never helpful, but it was really helpful for me to just develop that strength of it really is not about me, and it's more about what's happening in his brain. And as I got to know him better, as I was more familiar with his honesty, it really became stronger for me that it is not about me. We ended up... Getting engaged, our engagement was probably the hardest time of my life. I just wanted to do the right thing. And as I said before, I didn't want to be emotionally driven. I didn't want to let my feelings for Steve get in the way of what could be best for my future. Every day I'd wake up and be like, do I need to break up with Steve today? I'm open to this idea because as much as I love him, I'm committed to making my life the best it can be. And if that means breaking up with him, so be it. We were engaged for two months, and eventually we got through it. We got married, and (laughs) it was amazing. I choose my husband every single day, and whether my spouse chooses to love me, that's on him. And I can still choose to feel love for him, no matter what his actions are. And so every day, I choose. It's not this, here we get married this day, and this... August 4th, 2017 is the one day I choose my husband. Yeah, <laughs> and then after that, it's the choice was already made. Right. It's, it's every day I wake up, I choose to love my husband. Every day I choose to be happy. It's so much more doable. I relate to that so much. Day to time, daily bread. Yes. He makes it easy. I choose this every day. In the stories that I had read, a lot of them, they thought it would fix the problem, but then they say usually a year or like six months later, they would go back to pornography. I vividly remember the first time that he told me that he had a slip up after we were married, Mm -hmm. and it was a lot sooner than six months. It was really hard for me, mostly because I had these preconceived notions of, I know marriage doesn't solve it, but at least it should help, right? And I, I share that because the way I chose to feel at that moment is way different than the decision process I go through now because I've grown so much and understanding more about what pornography is. You guys have been married two years, right? Yeah. It's just pretty impressive all the growth you've had in just two years. It's been a full, rich two years. We're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they just counted it, but you can't see <laughs> We both have hard days, and but there was a time where we decided that we needed therapy. Like, we were doing really well together, and we were happy. I just knew that we didn't have quite enough. No matter how much I loved him, no matter how hard we were trying, for me, it was helpful because it kind of helped me know that we really are doing well. We are doing a lot of the right things. Um, but one of the things was to put pornography on a lower shelf. Think of it more as any other weakness, not necessarily any other sin, because it is a big deal and it is very detrimental. And I have felt how it has been detrimental in a relationship and how it has disconnected us. But I've also felt how I've been able to change my perspective to make it so it can reconnect us. I like that you mentioned that because the that's what we titled the podcast, Putting It on a Lower Shelf. And some people 
could see that and their mind could go to like, are you saying it's not a big deal? And it is a big deal, right? You both acknowledge it's a big deal, but it is so prevalent right now. It is so common in marriages. Not everyone's willing to come and talk about it, which I'm so grateful you guys are. I appreciate you saying how you treat it as a weakness and not the person and not make it all consuming is what I'm hearing. My perspective of Steve has really changed a lot throughout my growth, self-improvement, my search for truth. How has it changed the way you communicate as a couple? One thing that was helpful for us is since it came out really early in our dating relationship, I was able to be honest and open with her from that point on. That's really helped us in a lot of situations, even not relating to pornography, to be honest and and open with each other. Uh, Once we've kind of breached that, it was easy to have any difficult conversation. Just in general, just kind of helped us to be more open and better at talking things through together. Like Steve said, it helps you really get to know someone when you have that kind of conversation about Mm -hmm. something that's so intimate. As I got more in tune, I guess you could say, when Steve would tell me about slip-ups or hard days... At the beginning, I would kind of be more self-centered or, or like I'd be mad about it, sad about it, which some days I still need to be. And Steve is so good to give me that space. But I started to see how hard it was for him. I noticed that if I get super mad, it makes it harder for him to tell me. I tried to keep my emotions in check. Mm-hmm. and appreciate the challenge that comes from him being able to tell me. Really, that helped me be in a place to make it easier for Steve to tell me. And I wanted to let myself feel the emotions I needed to feel, but also acknowledge that it is hard for him to tell me. And I don't want to make it any harder than it already is. That balance of you also want to understand the severity of it. Not just brushing it away, not just letting it go, but also not blowing off the handle of being super mad. Because I had the philosophy of it's so much better for him to tell me than for him to lie about it. But I also want to make it easy for that to happen. For it to be safe. Yeah. Because if I, I make it hard for him to tell me, then it makes it worse. Of course, it's his responsibility, ultimately. But there's definitely things I can do to help that open communication. Like we said, this is a pretty common struggle. How have your experiences given you empathy for other people that deal with addiction in their own relationships? Well, I have felt so much love for them and what it takes to find progress because my idea of progress has changed so much. And thinking about that time when Steve first told me after we were married, I was still pretty judgy, not very understanding. In my head, I still had this idea of progress means no pornography Mm -hmm. at all, even though I knew logically that couldn't be a thing. And so I just had to really accept that slip-ups are going to be part of the healing. So knowing that and having to deal with that, knowing someone else is going to have to deal with that, I just feel so much more love for them and the challenges that are going to be there. Well, at the same time, the challenges have really helped bring us together. Again, we've been able to have very open communication. We have very few problems that last longer than like 10 minutes. I've really thought about how I want to show up for Steve, like how I want to be. And knowing that I can show up how I want to be, that's possible for anyone who's dealing with addiction. The empathy I can have is it's tough on both sides. Before we got married and 
before we were dating, when I would have issues with pornography, I'd feel bad about it, but be able to think, oh, I'm just really affecting myself more than anything else. But now the the guilt and, and the, the shame that can come with viewing pornography it is double now because I feel bad not only for me for kind of falling short on something that I'm trying to, to deal with, but also the potential pain that it can cause for, for Camille too. So it's it's definitely a tough thing and it makes it hard at times to, to be honest about those things because you, you want to protect those who you love. But really from the experience that I've had, the best way to do that is to just be honest and, and upfront. It can be hard to do that in your 12-step program. That's the first step that people come across is, is honesty. When pornography or any addiction for that matter starts becoming secretive or hidden, that's when it can become a bigger deal and, and mushroom into something bigger. But if you are honest with it and kind of confront it as it comes up, it, it makes it a lot easier to deal with. The theme of this podcast is compassion and connection, right? So how has compassion and connection helped strengthen your marriage through this? I have been able to notice the times when I feel disconnected to Steve and times when I don't feel as disconnected or the process of becoming reconnected. Being more aware of that has helped me take more control of my actions and helped me take a step back and have that perspective of, what do I want out of this relationship? How do I want to feel? And what do I want to make this mean? I can choose to make it a big deal, which will then cause me to have negative thoughts towards Steve, which will then make me have more negative feelings, which then makes me show up as a not a supportive wife, which is something I always want to be. But when I choose to put pornography on a lower shelf and I take my time, take a breath, take the time to do what's necessary to feel connected to Steve, which then helps me recover quicker. And it helps me be who I want to be sooner after finding out that Steve had a slip up. So that's been huge as far as my feeling of connection towards Steve. So going back to even when we were uh, dating and deciding to get married, it was something I thought about. I hesitated at times thinking about uh, marrying Camille because I didn't want to put her through this, the pain of dealing with a, a husband who has an addiction to pornography. But something that through this experience I've realized is that she loves me despite my weaknesses and despite my struggles, and it's really helped me to to reciprocate that and love her despite her weaknesses. And she's pretty perfect, so she doesn't have very many of them. It has helped me to show the same compassion to her when she's struggling as she does to me. I'm pretty open about my Christian beliefs on here. I just feel like that's the most Christ-like love is, is a love that is unconditional, that there are no conditions upon of what you do or what you don't do, but there's a core love for just the fact that you are alive and breathing and that you're you and you're special. The amazing thing about that that love too is that it inspires one to do better. It's motivating too to have someone to care about you like that. It makes you want to try harder and, and do better. Which I think the great lie that sometimes people believe is that if you're more understanding about his pornography addiction, then he will think it's okay. Which I guess if you push it on the rug and said it's not a big deal, maybe 
Because doesn't that then give you hope to try again? Yes, it definitely does. I think going back to if she were to do the opposite, when I were to tell her about that, if she were to get angry and and make a a big deal about it, it would want me to isolate myself, not be honest with her. Which then leads to more addiction problems, right? Yeah, exactly. And But so it does the opposite. It makes me want to tell her, want to be honest with her and to improve myself in the process. What are some ways to see someone who is experiencing addiction and their loved ones? Let yourself feel love for them and know that it's not necessarily them as a person, but it's weaknesses that we all have. Putting pornography or addiction on a lower shelf. It's a weakness. It's not a curse. It's not this huge thing that makes them unsuccessful in life. It's just a weakness like anyone has. And we all need love. We all need love and compassion, like the goal of your podcast. Mm -hmm. We all need that. And if somebody has an addiction, it doesn't mean they aren't deserving. Even if you feel disgusted by it or have those negative feelings, being able to let yourself feel love by putting addiction on a lower shelf. Recognize the good that they are and the good that they do. With any addiction, it can get at someone's self-esteem. They're you know, not gonna feel very good about themselves a lot of times uh, when they feel controlled by something like that. Help them to see themselves for the good that they are because when you recognize those things, it's much easier to continue on and, and to, to not give up. Also, support and time, it really goes a long way, you know, to just say, you know, I'm here for you, call me if you're having a hard time, just to feel that support. You know, addiction's a a thing of isolation. It makes people want to, you know, get off by themselves and, you know, not tell anyone else about it. But if you bring people together and if you're there to support someone, that's really how you can break that cycle of addiction with others not in isolation. If there's someone listening that's struggling with an addiction, what would be your message to them? Try to love yourself. Have compassion for yourself. One way of thinking that has really helped me, I've learned from Jodi Moore from her podcast, and Mm -hmm. she's mentioned pornography, and basically your model is separating the circumstances with your thoughts and with your feelings. So really being able to monitor your thoughts about the circumstance will then change your feeling because the circumstance being Steve had a slip up or had another drink of alcohol or whatever indulgence they they choose in their addiction, the thoughts you have about that can change your entire direction of where you are. It can change the way you feel. It changes your results. It changes your actions. But being able to make that event be neutral and then deciding, taking control of the thoughts you want to have over it brings a lot of power and brings a lot of strength. And I've definitely felt that. As I said, there are times when I don't monitor my thoughts and I just want to be mad. Again, grateful for Steve and and his tolerance and just (laughs) letting me be mad sometimes. Because then if I can let myself be mad or be disgusted, then it helps me get back to where I want to be and who I want to show up as and knowing that's possible for me no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. So that's been very helpful. It's really empowering. For those that are are struggling with addiction, have proper perspective. See the good that you are. 
just because this is a weakness that you have doesn't mean that it defines you. You are a sum total of your weaknesses and your strengths. It's a part of you. doesn't define you. So recognize the good that you are. Also, uh, celebrate victories. There's no victory that's that's too small to celebrate, whether it's overcoming a temptation or, or being honest with your spouse. You can celebrate that because it's on your, your path to getting a hold of these weaknesses and bad habits. Also, avoid denial and justification. It's so important to just keep it in a proper perspective. You don't want it to be too heavy because then it can demoralize you and discourage you. But you don't want to to justify or deny that you have a problem because when you do that, you can't really progress in it or overcome it. And also to to reach out, in my experience, you know, anyone that I've reached out to and confided in about my weaknesses and, and issues with pornography, it's been very helpful for me and I have felt very loved. So whether it's going to a 12-step meeting or just confiding in, in a friend or family member or spouse, don't deal with it alone. You'll receive a lot of strength by reaching out to others. And I just want to say that I am... So lucky that I get to choose to love Steve every day. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and for your willingness to share. I think this is going to help a lot of people. And not everybody's story of pornography is the same. And you guys have a pretty special one that you went into marriage knowing that he struggled and she still chose you. You don't have to wonder if she had known or what. I just think that's an incredible perspective you have. Yeah, it was very strengthening. I had a lot of changes I was able to make before we got married. I don't know what it would be like to have gotten married and made these kind of commitments to someone and then they tell me later I I would imagine the betrayal being much stronger and much much harder to overcome and that's why we can have empathy for people who do experience betrayal trauma thank you for being on the podcast I hope you could feel the, the honesty and the love that was in that interview Steve and Camille are some pretty special people if you'd like to support the podcast you can go to icupodcast.com and click on support the message. Also, if you know a company or business or cause and you think they would be interested in sponsoring a podcast episode, please reach out to me via my website, icupodcast.com. Next week, I am doing an interview with someone and we are talking about something that we have both suffered from, PTSD. We're gonna talk about what PTSD is, what it isn't, and some tools and helpful things that we have learned to not be afraid of it, to not let PTSD control our lives and to do all the healing we can. If I'm being honest, I went into the interview not really mentally prepared for how it would make me feel. Some of the details we talk about and and the the feelings that come with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, it's very real. And I can't say that I am completely done with that and that it's not something that doesn't show up in my life here and there. It made me a little shaky ending that interview. I'm not going to lie because it it brought up a lot of feelings and a lot of a lot of things that I remember quite vividly and that are sensitive but special part of my story. So I'm excited for you to be able to hear that interview. I think it's got some really helpful information. I'm a little nervous to edit it because that means I get to listen to it over and over and over again. (laughs) And our guest was wonderful. Megan was wonderful. Like I said, I was a little tense and a little shaky during that episode. So I'm going to be in a better headspace when I go to edit it. It's all going to be good. Don't worry, I'll be fine. A big thank you again to this week's sponsor, Brianna Hoffman. She's a realtor based here in Utah and she is so, so patient. 
If I were going to say anything about Brianna, it's that she cares about who you are and she is patient with whoever you are. She wanted to make sure that we were happy when we bought this home. She was willing to take the time. I would definitely check out her website, www.brianna-hoffman.com. So even if you're just interested in knowing what your home is worth or questions about buying or selling, she does not pressure people. She's just a wonderful human being. Check out her website, www.brianna-hoffman.com. Thanks for listening. My name is Julie Lee and I see you.